0: Welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host, preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. We're coming again to the Gospel according to Matthew. We've begun the next section of this chapter and what I'm calling the commencement of Christ's public ministry. Last time, we read from verses 12 to the end of the chapter and got somewhat of an introduction to the ministry of Jesus in Galilee. From now on until chapter 18, that is where Christ's ministry will be centered. This section of around 14 chapters covers about a two-year period of Jesus' public ministry. Approximately one year has passed since the temptation of Christ By the time we come to verse number 12, I told you in last week's broadcast that we have in this latter half of Matthew chapter 4 the three main components of Jesus' earthly ministry as he marched toward Golgotha. In verses 12 through 17, we have the declaration of his message. In verses 18 to 22, we find the development of his messengers. Then, in verses 23 through 25, we are introduced to the discharge of his miracles. From this point on in this gospel, we will see each of these components expanded upon. Today, I want to read again verses 12 through 17 in your hearing. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth... He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalem, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtalem, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, and Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We closed out last week in verse 13 with a brief examination of the rejection Jesus had experienced at Nazareth. Having left Judea, he met his appointment with a Samaritan woman. Upon her conversion, she published his name in the city, and in John chapter 4, verses 39 to 42, we read that reception that he enjoyed. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world now you need not that I delve into the relationship between Jews and Samaritans but with that history it is remarkable that Jesus was so well received in Samaria this is especially so in light of the response that he garnered in his hometown of Nazareth into which he entered next there upon reading the scriptures and preaching in the synagogue on the sabbath he ignited the fiery wrath of those present they according to Luke 4:28 and 29 were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong then in verse 30 we read but he passing through the midst of them went his way Jesus would be apprehended Jesus would not be apprehended or killed until the ordained hour so he left Nazareth and now we meet back up with our text in Matthew 4 and verse 13 where we read, He came and dwelt in Capernaum. This would come to be known as his own city. What an honor it is for any place to be inhabited by the Lord. Here Jesus would conduct much of his ministry, yet he will say in Matthew eleven twenty three and 24, And thou Capernaum which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. What sad words are these? Verse 13 gives us important details as to the location of this place. We read in... uh, We read in there that it is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim. This region, called in Isaiah Galilee of the Nations, or as here in Matthew, Galilee of the Gentiles, was in proximity to Jerusalem, the farthest away. It was held in contempt by the religious Jews because of its heathen inhabitants and the poverty and lack of education of its Jewish residents. These were the common people which heard him gladly. And it was with these that Jesus would dwell and with whom he would be identified. This hasn't changed, has it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29, "'For ye see your calling, brethren, "'how that not many wise men after the flesh, "'not many mighty, not many noble are called, "'but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world "'to confound the wise, "'and God hath chosen the weak things of the world "'to confound the things which are mighty.'" And base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I think often of a statement made concerning David. In 2 Samuel 22, after word got out that he was holed up in the cave at Adullam, verse 2 tells us, And everyone that was in distress... And everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. What a picture that is of our condition when we came to Christ. The distress of our guilt, the debt of our sin and the discontentment of all of our wicked endeavors was upon us. Then we, as those in Zabulon and Nephthilim, which sat in darkness, did see a great light. Jesus came to the remotest region of our depravity and took up residence. The further significance of Jesus' entrance into Capernaum is stated in verse 14. Matthew writes that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Even a cursory reading of the Gospels will make it clear that every move of Jesus is with purpose. His steps are truly ordered by the Lord and His sovereign plan is, in every single motion, being fulfilled. Every prophecy given of Him is coming to pass in precise fashion. The inspired authors of Scripture are so very careful to point this out along the way. The Spirit would have us to know of the reliability of God's words. The particular prophecy here fulfilled is found in Isaiah chapter 9. The prophet having announced the coming Assyrian invasion in chapter 8 is now assuring God's people of the deliverance that will follow the ultimate consummation of which would be the arrival of Messiah. Isaiah says in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, those familiar verses, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So the great light that Isaiah spoke of has now come to Capernaum. Light has come to dispel the darkness. It sprung up to cast out the shadows which lay upon that region. Darkness and light are often contrasted in Scripture and compared with the condition of men before and after conversion. Darkness speaks of lifelessness, of ignorance, of wickedness, and hopelessness. And so it is with every sinner. Apart from Christ, we are dead in trespasses and sins. It is written that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We lay in the filth of our sin with mouths full of cursing and bitterness and feet, swift to shed blood. We were without Christ, having no hope, and without God in the world. Yet... He that is the light of the world has come, and not only have those in Galilee seen him, but with eyes of faith you and I have been so enabled. Now by the gospel the mystery is made known unto us, for salvation is by divine revelation. We've passed from death unto life, our sins are forgiven, we are made righteous by faith in Christ God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now we have hope which anchors our souls to heaven. It's no wonder Paul wrote that he was giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Next, notice what's said in verse 17. From that time began Jesus to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This light that sprung up and was seen by those in darkness came through preaching. It is here that we'll begin to see the aforementioned first component of Christ's ministry, the declaration of the message. Jesus fulfilled many roles while on this earth, He was a teacher, a leader, and a healer. He was a son, a brother, and a friend. But towering above all that, he was a preacher. Yes, he worked miracles, but those miracles were merely performed that the truth preached might be believed. The main business of Christ, second only to his cross work, was to preach. For this cause, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There are two things I'd like to point out about Jesus' preaching from this text. The first today and the other next time. First, the continuation of his preaching. Our verse says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. This was just the outset of his preaching ministry, but he continued to preach from that time. I want to use the time I have left today to just encourage any preachers that might be hearing me today. There were times when Jesus was well-received after he'd preached. They'd marvel at his authority and they'd marvel at the gracious words which came from his lips. At other times, he'd no doubt be altogether ignored by some of those in the crowd. Sometimes they would listen and follow for a little while, but just as it is today, they would eventually turn away. Then at other times, as we read earlier, they'd attempt to throw him off a mountain in fits of rage. Either way, he kept preaching. He was, as Paul might say, instant in season and out of season. Brothers, may we be the same and continue in our preaching. Until next time, this has been Preacher Brandon. May God bless you as you stand in the gap. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l-83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.